Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. As always, and we're going to be giving you the preview for the upcoming matchup for the New York Giants, as they're going to be taking on a very dominant, very good Green Bay Packers team that is currently 8-3 on the year. Like we do every preview show, we're going to be giving you the offensive and defensive game plan. And to kick things off today on today's show, offensive game plan up first. They spent a lot of money in the offseason upgrading their defense after dealing with a lot of issues in the past few years. Spent a ton of money, and they were able to make some pretty big additions. Chris, where do you think are their strengths on their defense? I think you have to start on the edges with Preston Smith, who... Giants fans should be familiar with after all of his time and sacks with the Washington Redskins. And then Zarius Smith, who has just been playing great for the Packers. Both of them have been, really. Yeah, the both of them have had really, really good years. And we're going to talk about them in a little bit. But I think one of the other groups that has significantly improved and starting to look really, really good is their secondary. So they drafted Darnell Savage out of Maryland, and he has proven to be a very good safety as a rookie. They also have uh, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and they also brought in Adrian Amos. So a lot of guys that are above that above average threshold that have done really, really good Uh, Darnell Savage is someone who really stands out to me because he is a rookie. He's able to track the ball. He's able to move from sideline to sideline very, very well just because he's really, really athletic. All of these guys are young, and all of these guys are very explosive. Yeah, and you mentioned Savage. The folks who were listening to this podcast last year during our draft prep, they should know I loved Savage coming out. I really hoped the Giants would draft him because – his name fits him perfectly. He is just a savage safe. He does. He flies around the field. He hits hard. He commits fast. And he generates big plays. It is not a surprise to me that he is playing well as a rookie. And you pretty much said it. The Packers have spent money. They invested heavily in their defense. But I I think they've gotten their money's worth. Yeah, they have gotten their, their, their money's worth with that. So the next key thing that we want to discuss here on their defense is something that you already alluded to, which is Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. There is no relation, but they're still very, very good outside linebackers and pass rushers. Currently this season, Preston Smith has 10 and a half sacks and Zadarius has 10 of his own. So it is really a dual threat, double-headed monster on both ends of the pass rush. Maybe they send both of them. Maybe they only send one and drop one in coverage. They're both good enough to do that, and they're both very, very underrated in how good they are. When they were with the uh, Redskins and the Ravens before they signed with the Packers, I feel like not a lot of people talked about how good they were. Now that they're finally in the spotlight with a really, really good defensive team, we're starting to see a lot more of them. Zedarius Smith, he has really gotten better each year. He has been a pro. He was drafted in 2015. He has already had more sacks than he has ever had in a single season. And he's closing in on having as many sacks as he has had in any two seasons put together. And that's almost something you can say about Preston Smith as well. He had eight sacks in a season twice before, so he's two and a half better than that already. Three passes defensed, an interception, forced fumble. 
these guys are playmakers and they are dangerous off the edge, which means Nate Solder is definitely going to have to bring the same game he had against Khalil Mack and Mike Remmers is going to have to up his game as well. The Giants offensive line, their hands are really going to be full against this good defense. So we, we talked about their secondary and how deep and young it is. And then they have these two more veteran players that are coming off the edge. The The Giants are need to be prepared for them. They need to be prepared to slide to whichever guy is coming. If both of them are coming, maybe keep a tight end in and have some additional pass protection because leaving Mike Remmers and Nate Solder on an island with either of them could lead to some catastrophic uh, situations and some really, really bad plays. Their whole defensive line, though, is very, very good, and it's just it's capped off because they have both of these guys able to come off the edge. The Giants have struggled when they have faced good pass rushes that are good across the board, where they can't just devote all of their resources to blocking one guy. It's when they have to divide their attention. That's when things start to break down. So that's something the Giants are definitely going to have to plan for, plan for with their blocking schemes, with their personnel groupings, and also with their play calls. So all that being said, it's very apparent that the Giants are going to have a lot of work to do if they want to have a good offensive day against one of the better improving defenses in the NFL. That being said, though, Chris, what do you think needs to be the Giants' offensive game plan? I would say attack the middle of the field. The Packers' secondary is going to be a problem, but their linebackers, they might be vulnerable. Their starters are Blake Martinez and former Giant B.J. Goodson. Yeah, I... I am well known as a fan of BJ Goodson's. He has made plays for the Packers since being traded there. But most of those plays have come downhill in run de- it have come downhill in run defense. I would say try to get the Giants tight end, probably Caden Smith if Red Ellison and Evan Ingram are not back yet and try to get Saquon Barkley the ball in space kind of behind the defensive line get them matched up against those inside linebackers it is pretty apparent that their linebackers might be their biggest weakness out of all the defensive units and specifically their interior linebackers but in watching some previous games tape against opposing teams and specifically in the last three I watched three tight ends have productive days and find a lot of open lanes specifically George Kittle who exploded for over 100 yards. Hunter Henry was able to make some pretty big plays and get some pick up some first downs, some 15-plus yard gains because he had linebackers on him. And then also Greg Olson when they played the, the Carolina Panthers. So there's a very clear trend that they are not the best at covering tight ends if they're coming off the line of scrimmage or even if they're split out in the slot as a receiver. You got to use that to your advantage. Understandably that you're probably coming in with only Caden Smith. Maybe you have Red Ellison. There has not been a clear indication as of the point that we're recording this, who is going to be available and who's going to be back. For that reason, whoever's there, try and scheme them some more catches, some more passing opportunities just to get them the ball. Understandably, I, I, noted, I noted three very good tight ends in the NFL, uh, three guys that are 
two guys that are, are young and rising and, and turning into stars and one guy that's been established for a very, very long time. And that does not exactly fit the um, the bill of Caden Smith, who, who caught his first NFL touchdown just this past week. But it doesn't mean that you can't at least try to recreate that. If it doesn't work at some point, then maybe you scrap it, but still do whatever you can. Get him some, uh, you know, some crossing routes, some drags, something that's simple to get him, get him the ball, him or Red Ellison. And I, I think that could, has a high potential of impacting the offense and creating a lot of yards. Yeah, I think we would definitely feel better if Evan Ingram was healthy, but yeah, midfoot sprains, really any kind of foot injury, they can take a little bit to come back from, even if it wasn't too bad, just because you know, you're on your feet. You can't really protect your feet and practice at the same time. That's that's just something it's going to heal in its own time. So Caden Smith will have his opportunities. Hopefully the Giants can get him the ball in space and attack those linebackers. Hopefully they can execute better than they did on that one tight end screen they tried against the Bears because that just wasn't ever going to work. But the opportunities should be there. They should be there. And it's also worth taking a look at the other side of this discussion in the sense that we spoke about how good their secondary is and their corners are. So if they have really, really good corners, there's probably not going to be a lot of chances to get the ball to Golden Tate, although he likely won't be available. We don't know sure but the whole deal with his concussion situation is um, Sterling Shepard, if he's available, Darius Slayton probably will have some trouble getting open for those reasons. If they're not open, you always have that tight end option because they've had so many issues covering them. Yeah. And the giants can try to use Saquon Barkley, maybe Elijah Penny, Wayne Gallman, uh, <coughs> Buck Allen, Javorius Allen, they can try to use those guys in the same area, if not in exactly the same way as other teams have used their tight ends as receiving threats in the middle, attacking the linebackers and maybe attacking the seams and hopefully finding voids in the Packers coverage. Also, uh, just as a note, the Giants injury report just came out. Ellison, Ingram, Peppers, and Tate did not practice. Well, that's certainly not a good sign because the Giants are going to have their hands full trying to move the ball effectively against this defense. Other teams have had success, and if the Giants are efficient, they probably will, will be able to have a decent day. If not, it will look very similar to the way it did against the Green Bay, or sorry, the Chicago Bears, rather. Up next, we're going to discuss the defensive game plan, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How do you slow down a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers? That is the real question for the Giants as they're facing arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. He's taken over games. He's dominated opponents his entire career. 
And now the Giants have to figure out a way to stop him if they want to get a win here. It's the, the that is the the single most defi- this, uh, defining trait in this game is how they can stop Aaron Rodgers. So Chris, is there really anything that the Giants can do to stop him? Well, the Giants kind of face the same dilemma against Rodgers that they do against every other quarterback. But because he is as good as he is, it gets dialed up to eleven. The Giants struggle to create pressure when they're rushing four, and then they struggle to cover when they blitz. Given the choice between the two, I say play aggressive. Try to generate the same kind of pressure against Aaron Rodgers that the 49ers were able to do. Granted, the Giants don't have Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, but they do have guys who can create some problems for an offensive line. They can get into the backfield. They can disrupt. So even if the even if James Betcher has to completely open up his playbook and throw the kitchen sink at the Packers, that's what he has to do. Throwing the kitchen sink might be the only way to really stop him, but when I watched him play against the 49ers and him play against the Los Angeles Chargers, one thing I was able to notice is that these teams that have very good pass rushes, they have both of the Boza brothers on opposing teams, they were able to hit home because Aaron Rodgers a lot of times likes to hold on to the ball and wait for the perfect play so he can make that huge 30-yard pass. He He's smart enough to dish it out to his running backs or a, a quick dump off if he has to, but there are times when you see him sitting and waiting and waiting and saying like, oh, it's just going to it's gonna break open really quickly. It's going to break open in a, in a quick second. And because he's sitting and waiting for something like that to happen with a group of receivers that is, frankly, a bunch of misfits besides Devontae Adams, it, it leads to him getting taken down and sacked and hit and pressured in any capacity. So the, the Giants probably won't be able to force him to sit and overthink because of how poor the secondary has been doing. But creating pressure, manufactured pressure by sending blitzes using Marcus Golden and Lorenzo Carter off the edge, uh, a number of the defensive linemen that they've brought in, doing any of those things will at least make him overthink things to an extent and will also fluster him. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers has seen a lot. He has seen more than most quarterbacks currently in the NFL. But any quarterback can be confused. You know, we've seen defenses confuse Tom Brady. The Giants have done it a few times. If the Giants are going to slow down Rodgers, if they're going to slow down the Packers' offense, that's really what they need to do. They need to catch Rodgers holding the ball, get him flustered. And even though the Packers have a really good offensive line, they can't hold up forever. And if Rodgers is going to hold the ball, eventually the Giants will get a chance to get to him. No quarterback is perfect, but obviously Aaron Rodgers is one of the best in the league. So forcing him to make mistakes when he's not going to make them on his own, those are the, the those are the types of opportunities you're trying to create. So another thing when looking at this offense, the one thing that really sticks out because they have such a barren receiving group of no-name players besides Devontae Adams, you take a look at their running backs. Right now they have got a a, a dual-headed attack with two of their running backs, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. What do you think that the Giants should be expecting to see with both of these guys? I I would say expect to see them used as receivers. 
Aaron Jones has been kind of the engine driving the Packers offense, especially with their passing game not being quite as good as we have come to expect from them. He's got 14 total touchdowns and just under 1,000 yards on the season. Those touchdowns put him just behind Christian McCaffrey. And even though he only gets he only gets on average about four catches a game, he makes them count. Jones has about 600 yards on the ground, about 350 yards through the air. He's their second leading receiver. Jamal Williams is their third leading receiver. They both have over 30 catches apiece, and they both have multiple t- multiple receiving touchdowns. So that, I think, is where the Giants need to really be watching them because they're both only averaging about four, four and a half yards per carry. They're not super dangerous running backs, but their ability to be dual threats and run the ball and catch the ball, that is going to have to be watched. One of the other things that you can really be expecting from this running back tandem is, you know, they like to work the ball up the inside in just simple runs out of the gun, but they also like to throw it to them out of the backfield. They like to split them out at receiver and get them opportunities that way, at least use them as a distraction when they put them at receiver. But they really also are very keen on setting up play action because they know some teams are going to be willing to come down and prevent them from getting yards on the ground running the ball. So, as soon as they start to establish that consistency moving the ball on the ground, they'll start opening things up again with play action. It's kind of similar to what the Rams do, but not as focused on doing that. But it is it is really a staple in their offense. All that being said with those two running backs and also discussing Aaron Rodgers, Chris, what do you think needs to be the Giants' defensive game plan? I would say generate pressure and attack backup right tackle Alex Light. The Packers have a really good offensive line. They're number one in pass block win rate. Their left tackle, David Bakhtiari, is one of the best left tackles in the league. Elgton Jenkins, a rookie out of Mississippi State, has become one of the best left guards in the league very quickly. Their center is one of the best, Corey Lindsley, is one of the best centers in the league. But Alex Light is a second-year undrafted free agent out of Richmond, and he's starting for an injured Brian Bulaga who sprained his MCL last week. So if there's going to be a weakness up front, the Giants can attack where they can use stunts and twists and blitzes to create confusion, create opportunities to disrupt in the backfield. That is going to be it. Yeah, we were discussing before the show, Chris, how good the left side of their offensive line is, but when you have no Brian Bulaga that's going to create some problems for them. If the Giants are smart in attacking him and sending a lot of their pressure on the right side of the line, that's going to cause a lot of issues. And An undrafted free agent in his second year with not a lot of experience playing is going to have problems when he's got two guys coming in his gap and he doesn't know who to properly pick up in that situation. So confuse the hell out of him, and that's ultimately going to lead to increased pressure on Aaron Rodgers like we spoke about. If you at least get some hands in his face, if you at least make him overthink things like we were talking about earlier, it'll make things a lot easier for the Giants. If he has a clean pocket, if he's got a lot of time, and if he's able to have that um, ability to think efficiently, he's going to pick them apart. He's going to pick them apart. He's going to pick apart their secondary. Everything is going to be won 
along the line of scrimmage. Who has the best front seven in this game is going to really determine who plays well. And I know that sounds a little bit vague, and I know that also sounds a little bit uh, cliche in saying that, but because the Giants have a, a better defensive line, that being their strongest unit, and them having weaknesses along their offensive line, that's going to be really key. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing in the secondary is the Giants should probably devote to double covering Devontae Adams because he has struggled since suffering turf toe early in the season. But the Giants have had a tendency to let struggling players, struggling units, and struggling teams find their feet, get healthy, hit their stride. If the Giants are going to blitz, and we both think they should, they can't afford to let either Janoris Jenkins or DeAndre Baker or Sam Beal be on an island with Devontae Adams because eventually he will get his. There's clearly a lot that needs to go into this game for the Giants to play well and come out with a victory. We'll have to see what happens on Sunday, but that is going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. Follow me on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. You can follow Chris at Raptor MKII.